Murphy. This is Kelly Crichton and she's Nicola Murphy and we are the presenters of Fox Forest 5 podcast. Hello again. Hello, hello sister. How are you? I'm okay. How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm a touch of my head cold, but other than that, I'm flying it. I think it's just because like yesterday was 28 degrees and today it's like lashing rain. Oh, is it? And dark. So yes, oh. it's been a weird few days, but yes, all good. Thank you all. It's, yeah, and it's you, how are you? Yeah, fine. It's lovely. It's lovely here. Uh, we had a bit of a diary clash, two of us this week. So our podcast is being recorded a bit later and uh, going out a bit later than usual. But hopefully people will listen anyway. Hopefully they'll just bear with us because this isn't our day job and we're just trying to get on and do life, etc. So, uh, yeah, so a busy, busy time since we were on here last. I had a flying trip to ERA, uh, literally less than 24 yes. hours. Which was planes, trains and automobiles, basically just to bring our car back because we sold it over there. And um, you were away as well, which, but yours was a lot more entertaining and exciting than my trip. Tell us about your trip. Oh, well, um, uh, yeah, just to see the family. So obviously we've a lot of family in the UK, just outside London. So I went to see them. I went to triple christening. So Ooh. it was great fun. Uh, ended up on the bounce castle a few times. Had a great laugh. <laughs> burnt, burnt the shite out of my elbow. Oh, no. Castle. Oh. Just so not too big for it. But had great crack. And yeah, and then went into central London on Sunday. And that was lovely. And it was like 26 degrees and glorious, like a little sun holiday. Uh, it just felt too short. I would have liked a few more days, mm. to be honest. You know, when you kind of mm. get into the city, you start enjoying it. But had a fab time, I must say now. It was very good for the soul. Yeah. And it was good to get kind of the first traveling over and done with, you know. Yeah, I agree. Kind of nervous of it, you know. So yeah. it's kind of good to see how it's all running and that sort of thing. But yeah. it was a joke. I mm. flew from uh, Kerry to Dublin and Dublin to Edinburgh on Saturday. And Kerry Airport's looking smashing. That flight, oh yeah, it's fab, and they've wedged like this. You know these kind of like Irish bars you'd you'd find in like I don't know Palma Airport. You know these faux Irish. They've got one of them in there now. It's hilarious. (laughs) Wedged wedged into the corner, but they've done up security. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they've done up all the the bathrooms and everything. It was badly needed, like so. Kerry Airport's going nowhere soon, pub, I'd say. Was the pub um, open and everything? It was, yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Um, the bar in Cork wasn't open at all. I so think that's weird. probably Nothing just because the, you know, they yeah, probably don't the want to have the stock and stuff because they're closing and all that. Yeah. Um, but then the flight, right? So the flight used to be Aer Lingus, used to do it up, up to Dublin in a small plane, you know, but this is like a normal yeah. 737 or whatever. I swear to God, you're no sooner up in the air than you're coming down. It was the best flight ever I'd say it was about 35 Brilliant. minutes it was awesome Brilliant. yeah so and it was like 20, I felt like that 20, as well in London it was only like 45 minutes it was mm-hmm. because the air traffic is less I think as well over yeah you're UK. getting straight into so the really airport really quick mm. yeah um, but 25 euro or something as well like it's cheaper than the train <laughs> now yes. probably not very good for the um, environment but um I was delighted with it because, you know, you would be nervous like, but there was hardly anyone on the plane at the same time. So there was no one around. But then Dublin Airport was a different story. It was much busier. Half the shops weren't open. Eating options were fairly limited. You know, in my were head, they? I was like, yeah. I'm going to have a nice dinner now and a glass of wine and just chill out at the yeah. airport because I never get time on my own. And it turned into like 
take away something and a pint of Guinness. Oh, like, really? Yeah, it wasn't Was great. there no bars open or anything like that? The bars no, are open, all right, but they're super busy. Like, there's no nice quiet yeah. bit or anything, you know. So, um, yeah. but they did have that table service, so that was nice. But, um, yeah, so, and then my flight was delayed by half an hour and I already had like oh, a five no. hour stopover. So it was just kind of long, but... And the flight I went on was busier and there was a guy acting the maggot on there as well, wanting to get off. Oh, I was What? Yeah, I'd Ugh. say I'd say he was a bit drunk or something. This young guy was on his own. But um anyway, yeah, but just anything like that would kind of put you set you kinda of on edge, you know. But um anyway, it was grand and to anyone who's worried about getting on a flight or anything, it's totally fine. It's totally it's Oh, yeah, the flight was like, well, like Cork was a joy as well, and like Erlingas and all that. I'd found like Luton was a bit busy and stuff mm. that was a bit chaotic, all right? Like, we kind of just found a corner to kind of tuck ourselves away. But, and then getting onto the flight, mm. like Ryanair was just, it was just chaos, you people know? People still are but, like, getting people up everywhere yeah. and yeah, queuing and getting up to get off quickly, and you're like, lads, just chill out. Like, what's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. People it are still the same. Aer Lingus though as much as you can, you know, because yeah. at least we flew with them from Cork and they were like, okay, these, you know, these rules only kind of things that were yeah. way more managed. Whereas mm. Ryanair, it wasn't even clear like what was priority, what wasn't priority. And mm-hmm. I forgot how many people fit in an airplane. You know, mm, when you see hundreds of people, yeah. it's mad. You forget like, you no, know. No, I'd say if there's, weird. if there's two, is there 200 seats on a plane? There was about 30, yeah. 40 people I'd say on the carry flight and there was probably a hundred on the Edinburgh flight, there was nobody. Really? In my, there was still yeah. nobody in my row, so it's definitely not full capacity by any well, means. Mine were the two planes for us were fully booked. Wow! Fully. I'll yeah, tell you one really, really great advancement in technology en route, though. Kerry Airport now do not require you to take your liquids out your bag. They, oh. they you, you can because I was taking it out, and he was like, "No, no, you can just leave it in." Whatever tech they've got in in their X-ray machine. You don't have to take your tickets wow. out. And then I was like, oh, please, God, let this care. be the way. Please, God, let this be the way in Dublin Airport. And it wasn't. You still had to take everything out. I'm laughing. Kerry Airport is leading the way. I'm Hopefully that uh, Edinburgh Kerry Airport route will uh, transpire before we know it. You'd never know. But um, It's just a pain with Ryanair because like, if you have a backpack or something small, you're fine. But if you actually have like a bag, you have to pay like another 24 quid. So it's like mm. 50 quid then, you know. And I know that's still cheap. But I don't know, like in the long run, is you know, are you Does saving that out? much then mm. or whatever? You know, it's a hundred mm-hmm. quid then either way if you want to go like carry Dublin, Dublin somewhere else. So, yeah, I get you. Yeah. Anyway, so that was it. Reassuring, I think, overall. Um, Yeah, so not much else going on here except furious planning for Estelle's birthday party and... um, Oh, trying to, trying to get the house up to scratch, but I don't even want to talk about that because it's like all consuming. So, yeah. <laughs> So, will we get started? Shall we get started? Why not? Great. Number one. One. Okay, first up this week is that the reality of gender quotas on boards is getting closer. Let me hear you say yeah. (laughs) So, the National Women's Council of Ireland launched the hashtag Women on Boards campaign in July, calling for gender quotas on corporate boards to promote women's leadership and equality and to achieve better outcomes. Uh, Private Members Bill is being put forward by Emer Higgins TD on gender quotas for boards and uh, it aligns with this campaign and includes a 33% quota for women on boards, rising to 40% after three years and introduces possible sanctions for companies that fail to comply with the gender quota. The National Women's Women's Council says that women remain significantly underrepresented in senior leadership roles and in boardrooms of Irish companies. In their recent report on 
gender balance in boards. The case for legislative gender quotas in Ireland, they reveal that voluntary measures have not worked and with that prog- and with that progress on increasing the representation of women on boards has stagnated. Orla O'Connor, director of the National Women's Council, said the lack of women in leadership positions means women are excluded from the rooms of power where key decisions affecting their lives are made. This has serious consequences for their lives and entrenches gender inequalities. These inequalities have been further amplified in recent months by the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Amid increased caring responsibilities, evidence suggests that many women have had to either leave the labour market or are downshifting their careers. As a result, companies risk losing women in leadership and future women leaders and unwinding years of painstaking progress towards gender equality. This bill is a key step in ensuring that women are present in our boardrooms and fully aligns with the National Women's Council Balance the Ads campaign and research which called on the government to implement a 40% quota for women on boards. Um, the serious lack of women in leadership positions means that they are not represented in key decision-making spaces and that their experiences are, and expertise are not taken into account. There is robust international evidence that legislative quotas work well to address this imbalance. A similar policy has been adopted in countries like France, Germany, Italy and the Netherlands and quotas have influenced the number of women on boards, the performance and outcomes of their decision-making bodies and broader public attitudes. Quotas redistribute power at the top of the labour market, which results in significant trickle-down benefits, both in terms of improving financial performance, but also for women at all levels in a company. So I suppose this area is quite an area for debate. It's like positive discrimination or whatever, when people are encouraged to hire more women than men, etc., and it's it's a massive area for debate because, you know, a lot of people would turn around and say you should hire whoever is the best person for the job. And of course, I understand that. But we will never have parity until the people who are underrepresented are given a leg up. And when those people get a leg up, then they can hire more people or select more people that look like them, people who are like them people they understand. And in that way, that is how you achieve parity. You have to give a leg up to these people because of tens of decades of hundreds of years of discrimination means that they are not in the position to be the powerful, to make the decisions, to do the hiring, Mm. etc. So in my opinion, gender quotas are absolutely necessary and do away with them when we hit 50-50 and see what happens. That's what my challenge would be, you know? Mm Because it's just not fair the way things are at the moment. And I fully back this plan and fair play to uh, Emer Higgins, even though she's a fine gailer. Mm. Fair play to her. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, like, geez, I mean, look, like, obviously, I agree with you completely. We actually spoke about it before as well on here, like that it things. I think if we leave things to natural power, it's not going to. Change. It's not going to change. I'm yeah. sorry, my, my brain is a bit dead this evening. Mm. But I don't think much is going to change. Like if it's just allowed to naturally occur, you know, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You see big multinational companies and they've had to do things like this. And now, you know, on their whatever high ups are, you know, 50-50 or you see mm-hmm. way more women than you would do and like kind of maybe smaller companies and things like that. That was done intentionally, you yeah. know, whether it's acknowledged or not, it was completely done intentionally. Like, so, yeah, I agree with it. Fair play. Yeah. So she did, right? 
So if you are interested, the National Women's Council have more information on it. And I'm guessing that you can, uh, if you're very motivated, you can contact your TD and say that you want to offer your support for them or whatever in that respect. So, yeah, so that's positive. Hopefully they'll accept that uh, idea and it'll become law and we'll see a lot more women moving up the uh, power ladder in Ireland. Absolutely. I mean, the thing is, there's been crap men doing these jobs for a long time. So, you know, like, I'm not saying all men are crap. I'm saying there's been people who've been in these on these boards and that that are incapable of the job. So, you know, why not try someone who might be capable of it? You know, there's that's a kind of a productive politics and stuff like, you know, you'd Mm -hmm. like to see even like a younger generation coming through into politics. I feel like politics in Ireland and even in the UK, it's just, oh my God, it's just not really a a representation of the country, you know, in my opinion. So, yeah, it would be good to see a lot younger people, you know, and maybe more discrimination in that sense as well. But anyway, there you go. Right. Over to you, Nicola, number two. Two. Thank you, Kelly. So uh, this week obviously marks the 20th anniversary of 9-11. So this weekend is the obviously the anniversary. So you might have noticed there's lots of things on TV at the moment and there's been a few new things added to Netflix as well. So uh, the one I was going to talk about is Turning Point. You might have seen it. It's it's good. Lots of people are talking about it. I've seen Mm. lots of people putting up pictures and stuff on um, Instagram watching it and all that jazz so turning point 9-11 and the war on terror and of course obviously interestingly and timely enough with uh, America pulling out of Afghanistan it's kind of good timing to kind of again I suppose look at what changed in history over the last 20 years so um I haven't watched it all it's five episodes long which I wasn't really expecting I'll be honest which, sorry <laughs> which one is this of, turning point this is turning point yeah, yeah. so it's it's like number one is it five hour long moment. episodes yeah oh God, that's and a, lot. a bit longer so it is a lot and it is quite political like mm. that the first couple of episodes are really what centered on the day itself and all that but then it's obviously what happened after that and the war on terror and like you know what political movements were made and military movements and the aftermath, I suppose, of it all. And like even talking to like, you know, modern day like soldiers and how it impacted them and their decisions to go to war and their decisions to sign up to the military and all that. And basically the knock on of everything from Mm. 9-11. So, um, yes, we've only watched the first few so far. It, I mean, it's very interesting. It's not like, so I know it's probably terrible, but like, you know, the way we probably watch a 9-11 documentary to see like things that happened on the mm. day because it's so fascinating still mm. it's not if you're looking for that sort of stuff it's not really about that you know it's way more about the political landscape since mm. then mm-hmm. so um it's worth a look like I mean it's very interesting and it's, I mean it has been obviously a massive historical event in modern history mm. so it is worth um giving it a look well the first couple were very interesting um I haven't finished it off yet so I can't give you a full review because it's mm. so blooming long but I suppose once it's, no, it's very long five yeah, episodes like so <laughs> it's a good shout though because um, it is contemporaneous mm. in the week that exactly. we have Exactly. There, was, were, there was one yeah, on but, last week on telly or the week before mm-hmm. about George Bush, about the about him, about yeah, around nine el- well about nine eleven, and it was supposed to be very good. It was a new documentary mm. as well about sort of his reaction and how he handled it and all that. And it was kind of a, looking at that sort of day specifically, I think, and it was supposed to be very good. Yeah. I can't. Oh, what the hell? Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Did you hear that? No. Did you hear that? No. <laughs> 
<laughs> sorry, something just started streaming in my ears and deafened me. Sorry. Oh, um, I can cut that out. Don't worry. But <laughs> gave me a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Oh, sorry. Um, I um, you know, hang on a second because I'll cut this out. Um, right. Uh, oh, yeah. And I'll just start a new thing here. And the other thing I was going to say was that fascination with 9-11, we were talking about it actually in our work chat the other day and somebody was mm. saying like, no matter how many times they see anything about 9-11, they still get shocked. Mm. They still like yeah. are kind of glued to it. And I, I I, kind of agree with that. I know that feeling like, and there is this yeah. sort of weird obsession with looking at, like you said about, you know, footage from the day. It's, or kind of, it's a morbid fascination. Like, I yeah. mean, I was only a kid and I still remember it. And I still mm-hmm. remember like, them having live shots of people jumping out the windows. You know, yeah. we all remember because it yeah. was so shocking. And yeah. and it is a total morbid fascination. Like, I mean, even growing up as a teenager, I used to love watching all the documentaries and all the mm-hmm. footage. And it was just so harrowing that it was like a movie. I you think know. it's because we find right. it so hard to wrap our heads yeah. around it. Mm-hmm. It's like you're always trying to understand it. And no matter how many times we watch the thing, we would never yeah. understand it because we'll never understand that people went out and kills that many people and yeah, and just... and did such destruction in what would appear like one false swoop do you know what I mean like you, yeah. you think of a war and you can kind of process war or whatever because it's over a time period but this is like a, such a quick thing and so mm. destructive and violent and I don't know I just think that yeah collectively we still can't process it and that's why we keep looking for these things and we keep questioning you know but um and there's still just such an aftermath even like those poor firefighters you know who are now mm. trying to fight for like compensation because they all got bloody asbestos poisoning and they're mm. lung they've lung cancer and like you know serious lung issues from going into the buildings and all that stuff like all that stuff is still ongoing and like there's loads of documentaries and movies and all that stuff about that mm. too it's just it was one event but it was so big the knock on is mm. that's why we're still watching all this stuff. And that's why every year there's something new. And this year there's probably, I mean, a hundred new things that we haven't seen before because it's the anniversary and that as well, you know, so. Mm-hmm. There's another documentary like, that's like, it goes through all the, it's very long apparently, but it goes through all the international reporting that day of the, oh, wow. mm. of the, um, the Twin Towers attack, like, you know, so it's just kind of fascinating because lots of people have different sort of takes internationally on what's happening, you know. So um, I, I remember that first one, I think it was on Channel four years ago. It was like the year after mm. they, they they released it and it was just all home videos. From yeah. Mobile phone that videos, one, the other like one was the, the falling men, wasn't it? It was one of the first yeah. ones as well. God, yeah. Make you sick. Actually, but like it just it. it just sticks in your head. Like, you know, obviously when you're alive for it and everyone knows where they were, even if you were a kid and you mm-hmm. remember it at the time, you know where you were and all that. Like, weren't you, weren't you in Spain or something? I like was that? minding a lot of kids. I was a kiddie rip walking down the street and I saw this thing on in a bar the TV and I was like it's very early in the day for showing whatever it was I thought it was like a A movie movie, you know and then we walked in and we were like aghast you know and we had all these kids with us and we were like we better go back to the hotel and on the way back to the hotel this cockney geezer that we vaguely knew ran past us and he was like mate it's all happening everyone's getting out of London there's going to be more attacks and he was and we were like what we were freaking then we were like what is going on but thank god he Mm. obviously didn't uh, what he said didn't come true but it was scary and then we sat for hours watching it after that oh it is scary and like you t- you wonder then like how much the impact that had on like you know a lot of the other terrorist attacks that took place and even like on Sunday or Monday we walked down like Westminster and down across like Tower Bridge and all mm. that 
and Westminster Bridge and you know it's all still loads of like ballards everywhere because mm-hmm. of all the, the the terror attacks and it was there were so many police now I think it was the first day the parliament was back too but there must have been like hundreds of police just like sending around mm-hmm. just you know to try to stop thing. and it's just mad the way I mean it was probably what three years ago now four years ago that, that last London attack yeah. but it's still so fresh you know yeah. to see everything well, and to see like little memorials and stuff mm-hmm. to some of the victims and oh god it was just it was like I was saying yeah. about that guy being an asshole on the flight the last day like you know you just mm. be so nervous still but um, and that made me think as well it was like so 20 years we've been putting liquids in bags like Madness, you know. Yeah, what I mean? it's madness. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's you know it was in the news as well this morning because the court case for the Bataclan. Yeah, um, going to trial now. It's attack mad. is on at the moment mm-hmm. as well, and that was twenty fifteen, six years ago. Like you know, yeah. so it's mad, it's mad. But it's just so sad right. that that threat is still there, you know. And God yeah. only knows. I mean, I'm I'm not well read enough on the whole situation with yeah. Taliban and ISIS and th- mm. to know whether they're on track for more international attacks at some point one would think yeah. not at the moment but who knows they might want revenge like oh who knows who knows I know and it was terrible we were like walking around and it was so quiet you know there wasn't really many tourists around it's actually a great time to be in London because mm. it's so quiet for mm. tourists yeah. and I was just saying to Ger, I was like oh it's kind of eerie you know and you see all the police everywhere and it was so quiet for tourists it was like well if they were actually going to do anything, they wouldn't be doing it now anyway yeah. because there's literally not enough so people. Yeah. Exactly. And I know that sounds horrific, but like that's kind of what comes to mind because you know that they just want to make a big impact, God forbid, if they do mm. anything. So, oh, it was just, yeah. It's we just totally went off um, TV there. Yeah, by the sorry. Way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, sure, look. Turning point. <laughs> okay. Sure, it's, it's been massive in, in our yeah. lifetimes. You know, for mm-hmm. the last 20 years, it's been kicking off, like, mm-hmm, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, are, let's move on to nicer we, things. <laughs> we have nothing to report anyway, because we've been watching no TV. So there you go. Um, okay, number three. Three. So, Fox of the Week this week is Dolores O'Riordan. Uh, oh, this week, our Fox is 50, the... 50. Yeah, 50. unimitable Dolores O'Riordan, Limerick's own. She would have been 50 mm. this week if she'd lived. Of course, she's best known as the lead vocalist and lyricist for the Cranberries. She had one of the most singular voices in rock in the 90s. She was known for her lilting mezzo-soprano voice and her signature yodel emphasised with the use of keening and her strong Limerick accent. With the Cranberries, she's regarded to have written some of the most seminal songs in music history. She was born in Limerick and began to perform as a soloist in her church choir before leaving secondary school to join the Cam- Cranberries in 1990. She was the youngest of nine children and had a fairly tumultuous childhood. Two of her siblings died in infancy. Her father suffered brain damage in a motorbike crash and her sister accidentally burned their house down. It's also believed she was sexually abused for a number of years. On her first day of secondary school, it said she stood up in front of her classmates and announced, my name is Dolores O'Riordan and I'm going to be a rock star. When she auditioned for the Cranberries, they were that impressed. They gave her a cassette with instrumentals, asking her if she could work on it. When she returned with a rough version of Linger, she was hired. Founding member Noel Hogan later told Rolling Stone that the minute she sang, you know, it was like your jaw drops at her voice. Dolores was musically far superior to me because she had been doing it all her life. Um... Recognised for her unique voice and uncompromising artistry, she achieved worldwide fame quickly. During her lifetime, she released seven studio albums with the Cranberries, including four number one albums over the years, including uh, their first and potentially most famous Everybody Else Is Doing It, So Why Can't We? Uh, Followed by No Need To Argue, To The Fateful Departed, Bury The Hatchet and Wake Up And Smell The Coffee before they took a six-year hiatus starting in 2003. 
Yeah. Oh, I, didn't know I always remember everybody else is doing it, so why can't we? When that came out, they were they were big in America before they were big in Ireland, and people will argue yeah. about that, but they were. And mm. I remember we used to watch this program called My So Called Life, which we were obsessed with. I don't know if you remember it, like Claire Deans. Oh and yeah, yeah. Jared Leto. James Frank wasn't James Franco in a young. I don't know if James Frank was in it. It was Jared Leto was in it. Oh my oh, god! Talk about the object of my teenage desires, Jared Leto. <gasps> I can't remember what his name, wasn't it? Oh, my have you seen the, God. Have you seen pictures of him in uh, the new Gucci movie? He's like, plays this old, I don't know mm. who he plays, but mm-hmm. some older fella. You wouldn't even recognise him. No. It's actually terrifying yeah. the way he can change but, um, his character. Like so Claire Danes is like if infatuated yes. with Jared Leto's mm. character. And anyway, um, he they, they kind of just like have little chats every now and then and like she hangs on his every word and, you know, oh, it was such... Teenage love strife stuff. It was amazing. We used to love it. But in one scene, anyway, he says, um, oh, hey, he says to her, oh, hey, can I borrow your Cranberries album or whatever? And we were like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> there was a link to oh, him, you know. Oh, guess. Yeah. But anyway, it just <laughs> stuck in my mind for years. We were so obsessed with that program. But anyway, so, uh, yeah, in 1994, she married Canadian born Don Burton, who was the former tour manager of Duran Duran. The couple had three children together. The relationship ended in 2014 after 20 years following their split. Burton, for, following the split from Burton, she continued to suffer from serious depression and she left Canada to live in New York. On the 10th of November 2014, O'Riordan was arrested and charged in connection with an air rage incident on Air Lingus. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember, yeah. Uh, following her arrest, she spent three weeks in a psychiatric hospital and later pleaded guilty to the charges. Discussing her mental instability and her volatile vulnerability in an interview with the Belfast Telegraph, she said that she carried quite a burden of pain and torment from her past. O'Riordan's first solo album Are You Listening was released in May 2007 and was followed by No Baggage in 2009 she reunited reunited with the Cranberries that same year and the band released Roses and went on a world tour she appeared as a judge on RT's The Voice during the 2013-14 season throughout her life she'd overcome personal challenges struggling with depression and the pressure of her own success finally being diagnosed bipolar in 2015 she subsequently released her last album with the group Something Else in 2017 she died by drowning due to an alcohol intoxication in January 2018. The following year, the Cranberries released the Grammy-nominated album In The End, featuring her final vocal recordings. With the Cranberries, O'Riordan sold more than 40 million albums worldwide during her life. In the US, she was awarded 14 platinum album certifications by the Recording Industry Association of America. And in the UK, she received five platinum certifications. By mid-1995... She was one of the richest women in the UK at the age of 24. She Whoa. was honoured with the Ivor Novelli International Achievement Award and in the months following her death, she was named the top female artist of all time on Billboard's Alternative Songs chart. The Cranberries yeah. this week commemorated what would have been her 50th birthday with a new music video and playlist, combining a playlist of selected songs from throughout their dis- dis- discography struggle with that word the band took to <laughs> Facebook to share it and wish Dolores Dor- Dolores a happy 50th birthday uh, deserving Fox of the Week definitely a flawed character oh, but a m- her voice oh my god it was so haunting her voice you know. genius I know it yeah. sounds weird but it's like you kind of knew that she had a sad life yeah. sometimes because mm. of the way her voice was it's mm-hmm. just so haunting and mm-hmm. like pain oh god yeah yeah, yeah, so painful. Yeah. What a character, though, as well. Like definitely Some feisty, facts, and mm. yeah, you know. But uh, 
sad, sad what happened to her. I mean, it it's not so as if sad, they were doing yeah. anything. The Grammys weren't doing anything major, but like that time when she had travelled back from the US, the time she died, she was actually working with Danny Glover, you know, the the producer. So um, what's his name? Blood Orange? Danny Glover. Blood Orange. Huh? He's got another name as well. He's a producer. He's a music producer. Um, oh, right. I was thinking of Danny Glover, like from Not from the actor. Weapon. <laughs> but, um, oh, you're meant yeah. for Little Weapon. <laughs> Is he alive still? <laughs> Not sure. Uh, but anyway, there you go. So, uh, Dolores Reardon, yeah. fair play to you. Great limerick. Well deserved. Monster Woman. Well done. Okay, Nicola. Number four. Four. This is one that we've spoken about in the past as well. So uh, in a total change of uh, from serious stuff to funny stuff. Oh, good. It is we need it. One of your favourites, siblings or dating. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> this is brilliant. So people don't know what we're talking about. It's at siblings or dating. Oh, this is hilarious. And you could probably guess what it is. So basically, it's an Instagram account. Uh, they post pictures of... Uh, a male and a female or female and a female or a male and a male doesn't matter and uh the question is siblings or dating i mean often they're quite close or intimate looking you know as in they're like close to each other or arm around each other or they look like you know they kind of look like they might be a couple but you're not sure and then they put up a poll and you have to guess if they're siblings or dating and Brilliant. normally they leave it a couple of days and then they'll tell you <laughs> if they're siblings or dating <laughs> and i think people can actually send in pictures as well mm-hmm. um to them for them to actually put up but uh hours of entertainment uh some people like are weirdly alike like look like identical to each other mm-hmm. and they're dating mm-hmm. so it's weird the way some people are like attracted to you know how they look themselves which is mm-hmm. kind of a strange strange thing or like how a family member looks it's really weird yeah it always freaks me out when you see somebody who's like going out with someone whose images are dash mm. or like you know it's like oh why it's weird it freaks me out <laughs> you know, I suppose people are attracted to people who look like themselves you know like a lot of things you're kind of attracted right, to think, people yeah. well like you'd be attracted to people who kind of I don't know, like have this, a similar style to you or whatever. I don't know, like, I don't know. Yeah, but style is very different to like your actual look, though, your physical yeah. look, in my opinion. Yeah. But um, no, some of these people look so alike. They could literally have been birthed from the same two people. Weird. And they're dating. Maybe so, they're all like uh, separated birth babies or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd say that that happens way more than we know. I'd say definitely. Mm. In or like some really that, prolific... Uh, sperm donor around the place yeah sure isn't there there's been a few documentaries like that where somebody's had like 200 plus kids like mm. from one sperm donor so who knows but hours of entertainment so go on there uh, give a look give a guess obviously if you go through the older ones too the first picture is like just a, the picture so you can guess as well there and then swipe to see if they're dating or not so it doesn't oh, okay. actually spoil it all on the grid mm-hmm. either so if it's not on the story you can go to the grid and you can swipe through as well but uh, hours of entertainment and I promise you it's really creepy how similar people look so it's uh, good for the guessing game because they're so alike that you always think you're and, it, and a lot of times they're not <laughs> and it's kind of the case as well where some of the pictures are a little bit like intimate and you're like oh my god yeah no- they're really intimate yeah, it's yeah. weird and you're it like, freaks oh, me out oh, you're like there's no way they're really you know and then it's like there was a thing last year um, that somebody shared with me and it was a radio station in Australia and they had this like breakfast radio in Australia can be kind of uh, what's the word risky I suppose and there was this one station that had this like um, competition where it was like 
dead or boyfriend and you to you to oh, guess no. <laughs> you to guess if they were like a couple or a dead and daughter thing and oh my and I'm pretty sure they made them kiss like if they're oh, really no. struggling they make them kiss and oh my god and they actually it, it turned out this particular one everyone was totally stumped and it turned turned out they were dead and oh it was just so vile it was, they were dead and daughter and they'd kissed and all that it was like oh my god oh my <laughs> Oh my god! Anyway, look up "Dead and oh, Daughter" god. Australian radio show cringe or something. No, that, maybe that. don't because that could bring up questionable. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, yeah, that's true. Actually, don't do that. <laughs> oh, very siblings good. Siblings yeah. are dating. Just stick to the internet. Yeah, stick with siblings are dating. Don't listen to me and my dodgy internet search. Okay, all right. Cheers. Number five. <laughs> Moving along swiftly. <laughs> five. Oh, okay. Back down to earth. <laughs> sad news again. Uh, sad news. Oh no, God, we're all sad news yeah, today. Passing. I, I didn't want to leave this one go though because I think she deserved to be on the news. Uh, Sarah Harding, oh, 1981 yeah. to 2021, the rock star of Girls Aloud who transcended pop's confines. Um, the Girls Aloud singer who infused infectious spirit and spunky honesty into her work and life has sadly died aged 39. I'm sure everybody knows this by now, but I just wanted mm. to talk a little bit about it because um, not everyone knew a lot about her except that she was in Girls Aloud and she was on Big Brother. Um, but she released mm-hmm. a smattering of solo songs before and after Girls Aloud. And this year she surprised fans with... Uh, track called Wear It Like a Crown which actually hit the top of the iTunes chart but this by that point it was public knowledge that her health was failing and in August 2020 she revealed on Instagram that she'd been diagnosed with breast cancer and that it had spread to other parts of her body in March she confirmed the disease was terminal and said she did not expect to see another Christmas um, oh, she God. seized control of her own narrative in March by publishing Hear Me Out um, which was her autobiography offering an insight into the quieter side of her personality in it, she said, there's most definitely that fun, crazy party girl in me. There always was, she wrote in the prologue. It was the other Sarah, the one who liked curling up at home with her dog and a good book. The one who enjoyed cooking a roast dinner for her friends. The one who liked spending nights alone, writing songs and making music that got lost. That was very sad. That's so sad. Oh, she gosh. did seem very, a little bit, um, what's the word? Um, she had her own demons, I would say. You know, and mm. I think probably a lot of people who get famous very quickly and then... And very young as well. Yeah. They're only in their late teens or 20s. Yeah, and, and it can kind of hit them. And I think she liked she liked to drink and stuff like that for a while and excess and all that. But I found her, I watched her on Big Brother that time and I found her very likeable and very real and very honest. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. And yeah... It's just a shame. It's, it's a shock. Sad. It's a shock. She's the same age as me. Like you, it's a shock when you see someone like that who's had an an amazing life, and now they're dead. You know, at such a young age, like I know. it's crazy. I suppose the only thing really that the positive that might come from it is there's been a lot of talk about like breast check and how totally. to check your breasts and all that stuff online yeah. and social media and all that stuff. So. Look, if it helps, if it reminds one woman to mm-hmm. check their boobs for lumps or anything like that, you know, it might be the positive that totally. comes from all this. There this was a sadness, massive bounce like. in the cervical cancer, cervical checks after Jade Goody died that time. So you might see something yeah. similar now as well. So R.I.P. Sarah Harding. Such a shame. In happier news, though, this week we had, and this was like last week again. It's going to be about Abba. Of course, I couldn't (laughs) let it go. 
Uh, the Swedish uh, pop legends returned last week announcing <laughs> details of an immersive new live show called Voyage along with a new 10-track album of the same name. First two singles came out as well. They're okay. They're uh, bad yeah, by numbers. Catch, like. They're catchy. Look, I yeah. like the first one more than the second one. I don't know which is which, but I like one the of them more than the other one, one. More than the band. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and too. it's a bit more, it's kind of like the lyrics are all about them. It's yeah. all about them, the way that the story is and stuff mm. like that. Like, But yes, no, I liked it, right? So mm. the show will see a digital version of ABBA performing alongside a 10-piece band, which was put together by James Wrighton of the Claxons and Little Boots, oh. bizarrely, oh. Um, at the new purpose-built 3,000 capacity ABBA Arena at London's Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park in a run of shows from the 27th of May. And we have tickets for the 11th of June. <laughs> Do you know if it's me as well? Am I going? <laughs> well, we have a be- we have a stock of tickets, and I need to figure out who's going. Oh, really? Stuff. Oh, yeah. God! Did you actually get that many? Oh, brilliant! Well, Ruth got them, and she no. got us. She, she got enough for our little Glastonbury gang, but I'm not sure all the yeah. lads are going to go. So, um, yeah. So, well, I will sh- be there. With my flares. <laughs> I'm laughing though because like reading that there now right there's it's a 3,000 capacity and it's running for six months like you'd want to have been I know like you will yeah. get a ticket for it like you know we were just a bit eager but it's nice to go in the first couple of weeks anyway to kind of uh, uh, yeah and I was I actually did look it up I looked up for like August and it's not too bad like I mean it's still George Lucas's production company so you'll still mm. get a good entertainment totally. evening out of it, you know I, I watched... and the crack will be unreal because it'll be all the real ABBA fans Come like here. oh you know so Listen it's going to be fabulous I have a blue Blue velvet, <laughs> shin length jumpsuit oh. that is burning a hole in my fancy <laughs> dress box for 10 years that I have never worn it. It's like a little, um, what's the word, pinafore type thing, but mm, it's a jumpsuit. Lovely. It's so ABBA. It's so ABBA. Bright blue with a gold trim. I am ready for it. Presuming we're going to do dress up, right? <laughs> oh yeah, you have to do fancy dress. Oh fully, my God. fully ready yeah. for it. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. I did watch, there's a little video, if you go on to the website, there's a little video of ABBA when they were doing the kind of recording of the song and um, they physically put them in these suits and yeah, that record so, their yeah. movements and stuff. Now, I think they're going to be more like ABBA of the 70s rather than current ABBA, but it was nice they involved them anyway. Ha ha ha. I mean, um, so futuristic. It's like there's actually oh, a hologram mad. show of but, ABBA, you know. You know what? <laughs> what year is it? <laughs> this is how big they are. They can, they're not even going yeah. on tour. They're going to make a freaking mint out of this. Oh, a- yeah, absolutely. And like, sure, one of them is like agoraphobic, aren't they? So they don't like going out what and about. They, and like, stuff, they never so. really toured the first time round. Like, they just didn't like touring. Yeah. So, if they don't have to, why should they? Like, you know, so fair play to them. And it's still something to give the fans. Like, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, my so, God. I'd love to go. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's going to be great crack. Yeah. Just so, yeah. So, that's a happy note to finish the podcast on, which was a little bit sad at oh, points sure. today. But, um, yeah, that's life, isn't it? Highs and lows. Highs and lows. So what's uh, coming up the week ahead now, Nicola? Nada. Uh, oh, I'm actually going to drag brunch on Sunday. <laughs> and it's musical themed. Oh, my God. That sounds like a right yeah. good entry in the diary. Although, like, I think it's like, well, it's supposed to be bottomless brunch. It's no more bottomless brunch. I think it's like one one glass of Prosecco and a slice of pizza or something <laughs> shite in chambers. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so that'll be a good crack. And that's going to be the highlight of my weekend, I'd say. And yourself? Oh, I just have... Oh, God, I'm so negative. I just have... <laughs> 
I just, boxes unpack I boxes no, unpack the boxes aren't too bad no I just have to organise it's Estelle's having, we're having a little birthday party for Estelle weekend after next and do you know we're having people around and it's just getting stuff in for that and you and mum are coming to visit so I have to get the house organised for the visitors and yeah. um, just add mini stuff do you know what I mean and yeah so it'll be cool it'll be good Buying things. Right. <laughs> you know, spending money. Way. Spending money. Uh, <laughs> making furniture, uh, which is trying not to get divorced in the meantime. You know, that kind of thing. So Yeah, Ikea fun, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ikea fun. So that's it. Yeah, much. so all good. And the weather's nice here at the moment. So hopefully get out and about. Oh, I never told you we went to the zoo on Sunday. Oh, how about the pandas? Oh, great. <laughs> we had a great all time now. God, oh. it's massive. Oh, my God. And it's up on a hill, like, so you feel like you've done a workout by the time you leave. But, yeah, um, I'd say so. No, it was great. I've never, got, I've never been to Edinburgh Zoom school. Oh, the kids loved it. They just loved it. Oh. So it was nice. I'm a bit up, I'm a bit on the fence about um, zoos. Zoos. Yeah. Not, fence, not a fence in the zoo, thankfully. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, they're so good there the way they treat the animals and stuff and actually some of the like the enclosures are massive now I know they're not exactly the Serengeti yeah. like but still you know it's it's they seem to treat them very well and I think a lot of these animals are rescued so um, yeah. it's they, they probably wouldn't survive in the wild a lot of them anyway so um, it's good that there's someone there to care for them so yeah so that was it oh that's nice yeah and sure went yeah. to the gift shop and forced to spend five thousand dollars on stupid stuffed toys but never mind <laughs> <laughs> that's the usual I even remember doing that we were small you go yeah. into the gift shop and buy some sort of random animals that probably wasn't even in the zoo <laughs> totally we now have a giraffe called Violet and a zebra called Zoe so there you go you meet them next week go on so listen thanks to li- thanks to everyone for listening we'll be here next week again as usual and um, yeah good luck everybody thanks all bye ciao